I want to dive into James. We have actually finished the book of Colossians. For some of you who say, no, we didn't. There's a bunch of stuff in chapter 4. It's all greetings and salutations where Paul will end the book. And, and I feel like that's a fantastic thing to read, but it's not something we probably need to study because uh, greetings to so-and-so just really means greetings to so-and-so. And so we're going to leave that alone and move on to the book of James. In our last session, we started the book of James, and we dealt with James chapter 1, verse 1, really where, where James will say this. I, James, slave of God, bondservant of God. And he uses a word that is doulos in, in the Greek, and the word has this beautiful picture. The, the, the early apostles would teach it this way, that he freed me completely from my sin. He took everything away, and he stood in front of me and said, you are free. And because of my love for him, I came back and, and, I, and I went through a ceremony, which is the ceremony is that I would stand at the doorpost and he would nail my ear to the door and he would pierce my ear and he would identify me as his own. And for the rest of my days, I will serve him as a servant, as a slave. I will take orders. I love that picture in the kingdom of what it looks like to serve the Lord, especially in our Western culture, which is so dominated by opinion and independence. It's so incredibly dominated by the way we feel and what's working for us. And I just love that James's initial statement is that I'm a slave of God, which means for us only one thing. He calls the shots and I take the orders. And so in our last session, that was my challenge to us as a family, is to be a people that have that discipline in us that would say, you call the shots, I'll take the orders. Lord, you speak and I'll do it. You whisper and I'll do it. Lord, I will study the scriptures and I will apply what they say. You don't have to ask me. I will do it because I chose to be your servant. So we're going to move on in James, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 2. James will, will go on and he'll say, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. I think James is one of the most practical books in the Bible. Um, prior to studying it this time, it was my favorite book in the Bible. Now I realize how difficult James is really to live and how many things, like there's this place we're going to get to in James where he talks about the most difficult weapon in the world to control, and it's our tongue. And so... We're going to go through some really practical stuff in James about what it looks like to just build a systematic life with the Lord. What I love about James, if you, if you study the history of the book, most scholars will attribute this to a, a man they call James the Just. How many, how many know who James the Just was prior to being James the Just? James, the brother of Jesus. So I see in this book something that's incredible, which James had the vantage point that very few people ever had. He stood side by side with the king of glory as he grew up. He watched the way Jesus lived. He watched the way Jesus managed himself. And so his perspective on what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus is incredibly important for us because he had a better data metric to teach from. And so in, in this book, James will dive in and say, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, this word whenever here, the root word means an uncertainty of when with the certainty of if. So James is saying this, it's not an issue of if it's going to come your way. It's not a matter of if trouble is going to encounter you, it's a matter of when. Say that with me. I, I will, will face, face trouble. trouble. 
So the root phrase for trouble, trouble comes your way, literally means to fall into or be encompassed by something. But the word trouble here is a word that we have to define because the word here in the Greek actually means proving or testing, and it carries the idea of being subjected to difficulty or evil for the purpose of determining character. It's proofing, it's testing. And it's an incredibly broad word, and when we use the word trouble in English, I wanna be really clear. James is not talking about situations where I screwed up, I fell into sin, and I'm suffering the consequences. Because the remedy for that position in life is repentance. Whenever we screw up or we, or we make a bad decision or we, we leave the way of Jesus, the only way to remedy that is through repentance. What is repentance? Repentance means I recognize that what I just did is contrary to the purpose and the plan of the Lord. I understand the scriptures say it's wrong. I understand the Lord says it's wrong. And so I, before God, say, you're right, that's wrong. I'm going to do an about face and move the other direction and change my behavior. That is repentance. Repentance doesn't mean I'm sorry. Now, godly sorrow will lead us to repentance. Repentance is actually a strategic decision to move away from the behavior pattern that I was in, to move away from the attitude that I was in, to move away from whatever it is the Lord said was sin. So James is not talking about difficulty that comes upon us because of the choices we make. James is talking about something very different. These are difficulties that are sent into our lives. What do you mean? I mean, you wake up and you find yourself in a situation that you didn't choose. It's not the result of your decisions. You're just there in the midst of it. And James says, it's in these situations that I want to show you something. I want to teach you something. The first thing I want us to understand is that testing. This is what James is saying to them. In fact, it's interesting to me that James approaches it immediately. Because what that tells me is James is writing a letter to the dispersed church. It's the church that is spread out. Is he writing to Jews only? No, he's writing to the, he's writing to the people of God. Were most of them Jewish? Probably, at this time. But he's writing to them, and, he, and it's interesting to me that the first thing he wants to tell them is, I want to tell you how to handle difficulty when it comes into your life. I want you to understand the posture you are to have in your life when these things happen. So he tells them, testing's going to happen. It's the first thing they'll know. I think there might be an illusion in our lives that we feel like if I follow God correctly, difficulty will never happen. I somehow have a get-out-of-difficulty-free pass because I followed Jesus. You see, James is going to teach something totally different. I actually think if I have a constitution of faith in me where I believe at any level that because I'm in love with Jesus and evidence of him loving me is everything's going to be good. It's all going to be good for me. If you're in that position, you are setting yourself up for your faith to be derailed. Because James will teach something very different here. He's teaching a specific posture that we are to walk in as believers. So I want to highlight that what he's calling for is a believer-specific posture towards 
testing or difficulty. It means whenever I'm in a situation, if I go through the checklist mentally of, is this because of my choices? Nope, it's not. Okay, then if it's not because of my choices, it is because the Lord has allowed it in my life. And I find myself encompassed by something that the Lord is inviting me into. So that's our mental checklist. It's that simple. If it's not because of your decision making, it's not a sin issue, then you're being tested by the Lord. Great. Once we've vetted those two decisions, James says there's a posture. As soon as you know it's not because of your sin, here's the posture to take. Why is that important? Because what did we just say? If it's because of our sin, what's our posture? Repentance. So we're either going to repent or we're going to choose what James is saying here. I want to highlight that James doesn't say, turn to the Lord and cry about it. He doesn't say, turn to your neighbor and let them know how bad it is. Commiserate with each other. That's how you're going to get through it. That's not what he says at all. He doesn't say, pull into yourself and white knuckle it. You'll make it. He says something very different. Very different. He says this. When that happens and you find yourself surrounded by difficulty and you know you've already checked your heart, you've already gone through the list, you know it's not because of your sin, here's what I want you to do. Let it be an opportunity for joy. This word let it be means to consider or count it as. Hegomai is the word in the Greek and the root word stems from leadership and the concept of making a determination or a decision. So it's not to be persuaded, it's actually to be in control of the decision process. Okay, let's go to King Supers for a second. You're like, wait, why? Think about when you walk into King Supers, just think through the mental process. You walk into King Supers, and you, if, you like, if you're like me, we walk in and we take a hard right into the produce aisle. And we go through the produce section, and because we're systematic, we try to build our list so we know the way it moves through the store. But every t as we go through the store, we're making decisions constantly. We're leading ourselves constantly. We know which aisle we're going to turn on. We know what, what thing we're going to pick up and put in the cart. We know how we're going to price check it. We know all of this. Think about when you're driving your car. Without thinking about it, you're in command of this experience, we hope. You're making leadership decisions about where to turn, whether or not to turn the blinker on. If you're like me, I don't. My wife says, turn your blinker on, so I turn my blinker on. This is the process that James is talking about. The same idea is taking a walk. Maybe during COVID, you went out and took walks every day because you realized, this is my only opportunity to get away from all of them. So you went and took a walk. And, and as you walk, you're deciding where you're going to go. You're determining your, your, whether you're going to take a right turn or a left turn. Am I going to go for a long walk, short walk? It's this simple, systematic process of ordering your steps. And this is what James is talking about. The mental choice to make the decision and find every difficulty or testing that comes into us as a springboard for rejoicing is the word that he uses. He's basically advocating a posture that says, and this is what he wants us to say, no matter what happens, I'm going to use it as a reason to rejoice. So all of a sudden now, as believers, we're being coached into this process. I'm either going to repent or rejoice. Those are my two options in life. Neither one of those are neutral. Neither one of those just stares at a situation and does nothing. I'm either going to amend what's wrong, fix it before the Lord, or I'm going to choose to rejoice about it. And this word rejoice is interesting. 
because it means to be exceedingly glad. How many have ever said, I'm honestly exceedingly glad when life gets tough? I jump up and down and clap my hands when life gets difficult. That's not our reaction. Our reaction is so connected to our circumstances that if life is tough, we're usually downcast and a little somber, and it's just rough, and how's it going, brother? Oh, man, it's just so difficult. That's not what James says. You see, there's something reactive to this word. It's more than just a mental posture. It is actually intended to be physical and external. You can't rejoice in your head. That's the word that James presents. Rejoicing is not a mental exercise. I'd love to suggest this. Difficulty in testing should drive us to praise. Worship might actually be the secret to shaping our perspective before God. So how many felt the thing that happened when we were singing this song, Your Goodness is running after, it's running after me. And then we went into this freeform moment where we just began to declare his goodness. You could feel it hit the room. Why? Because there's a supernatural authority on the declaration of his goodness. So your and my success begins with our willingness to control our perspective and our declaration. And when we learn this, life quits happening to us and we start happening to life. I want you to consider the power you walk in. If every time your enemy tests you, because we know through the story of Job that this is how it works. In the story of Job, the enemy will come before the Lord and say, see your servant Job, you've made his life awesome, and if you take it away, he'll curse you and die. He's a fake. He is not as into you as you think. Give me five minutes with him and I'll prove it. What's the Lord say? Go for it. You can't kill him. Job goes through a gamut of difficulty. Goes through what we would say is unconscionable. For some of us, it even challenges our theology. Like, how does that even work that this guy goes through it? And yet Job stays the course all the way through. His most egregious moment is he starts to ask God, like, why did you do this? And the Lord literally says to him, I don't care what condition you're in, stop. Where were you when I told the oceans it could, not, it could not come any further? Where were you when I told the mountains to rise? Where were you when I put the stars in space? And the Lord does what he does, and he sets perspective. But I want you to understand that part of our journey in faith is that we are going to have things put against us, put at us, put to us, that are intended to test us. And so if every time that happens, your response pattern is you explode into worship, what do you think the enemy's going to end up doing? He's going to leave you alone. Why? Because there's nothing he's more terrified by than a people who understand the authority on their declaration of God's goodness. And so we have to learn the posture that James is calling for, which is when life gets tough and it's difficult, I am not going to complain, I'm not going to murmur, I'm not going to 
whine at God. I'm actually just going to turn it to him and go, man, you must love me because you're letting me be tested. I know you think I'm crazy. This is what James teaches. There's multiple times in the scripture that we see the people of God use praise as a weapon. Think about the walls of Jericho. What we see is, is Israel is called by God to march around. And then on the, on the last day, they begin to make a declaration. And their praise causes all of the breakthrough that was to come for them. Paul, sitting in jail, just hanging out in chains. And when we talk about chains, it doesn't mean like he had like a, like a long chain like we would put a dog in a yard. The way the Romans did it is they would take the feet and they would bend them over and the feet would be like laid out in front of them straight in a stalk and their arms would be out and their head would be through it. It's not a pretty posture. It's not enjoyable. It's hard to breathe. So what what does Paul decide to do? He decides to start singing and praising God. And the scripture said that because of this understanding of the principle of the kingdom, which is praise creates breakthrough. When I'm in difficulty and I know it's not because of my sin, my response is, no matter what comes, you're not going to shut me up. I'm going to keep worshiping. And when that happens, something supernatural begins to take place. And in that story, it says that the, the prison was shook. Their chains were, sh- were shaken off. And they stood up free. But James goes on here and says, I want to explain an additional benefit to living this way. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. The word endurance here means it's the idea of something under pressure, staying under it. So what he literally says to us is, the more you learn to do this, the better you're going to be able to handle this. And I'd say it this way, this trouble, this adversity, these are the places where we get to see what's really in us. How many have ever used a sponge? Really? You're all loofah people? (laughs) Consider a sponge. A sponge absorbs what it's put into, and it'll hold it. And then when you squeeze it, you find out what's in it. Could I suggest that we're the same? That in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of testing, we find out what's in us. And that's the point. Because our Father is looking to see us grow in the kingdom. And so it's okay when we see, I'll tell you one of my moments. One of my moments was this whole COVID season as a leader, hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I I explained it to somebody this way. Everybody watch Deadliest Catch? Anybody seen that show before? And they're on, these, they're, they're on the Bering Sea with 40-foot with waves coming at them, but they're seasoned captains of boats. They have, they have sailed, they have been out captaining these vessels for years, so they understand how to do this. I said, for me, what it felt like in this season was like they threw me out on the Bering Sea in one of those big boats, and I've never, ever, ever captained a boat before, and I was trying to figure it out on the fly. And so I went into this place where, if I'm honest... This has been a really difficult teaching for me because what I saw come out of me was a lot of, this is just not worth it. I just want to get in my car and drive somewhere where masks aren't required and people can't find me. Oh, come on. You're like, really? No, I'm the only one. 
I'm the only one that's ever had that moment where you wake up and you're like, they're all idiots, I'm leaving. <laughs> this job, these people, you, come on, we feel that way all the time. What I was saddened by was I realized something. I said it to, to Gary, Pastor Gary and I were talking, I said, I found my break point and it made me sad. I thought it was gonna be further down the line. You see, testing reveals what's in us. And then we get to learn how to process that with the Lord. We get to learn how to sit with him and go, hey, grow this in me, please. Create in me more strength. Do what you gotta do. You see, when we react in the posture of a believer, our ability to endure and to stand increases. So what that also means is the moments that we don't, we actually decrease our ability to stand. You say, what do you mean? Well, James drops this nugget in the next phrase that's important. So, let it grow. Let what grow? Let your endurance grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. You see, adversity and trouble are necessary for our development because there are supernatural aspects of our character that can only grow this way. And what James drops here is, what you don't understand is there's things coming down the line in your life that you need to learn this now because the Lord's trying to grow you so you're prepared for what's next. You see, if we don't understand this posture, that means we wind up in our next season without the preparation of the former season. Does that make sense? Think about the gym. I did a, a five by five workout series for a while where it was a 12 week workout and I, what kept me going in that was I realized next week the weight gets heavier and if I don't do this week, I won't be able to do next week and then I'm, it's just gonna be this, this slow journey downhill and I'm gonna be so sad about myself. And so I would go to the weight room and, and part of the five by five, I, this, I, liked, I liked squats prior to this, but that was a hard, hard workout regimen. So I, I was so sore at the end of every day, but I understood this. If I don't do this on this Wednesday, next Wednesday the weight goes up and I'm just gonna hurt even worse. And if I can't face what's in front of me today, I'm never gonna get to the end of this. Could I suggest it's the same principle in the kingdom? We must learn how to face today's testing and turn it into praise, turn it into rejoicing, make that our declaration. It's not about how we feel. It's not about our emotions at all. It's about the mental decision to say, my king has taught me when it gets tough, I go vertical. I've learned the secret of, of success, and that is to turn every difficulty into the declaration of his goodness. So if you're going through tough stuff at work, you're, you've got a boss over you that is just making your life miserable, you should be doing every single day like, like a workout regimen. Get up and begin to declare the goodness of heaven over your life and begin to think about that situation. Even at work, when you wanna, if you have to bite your tongue off, bite your tongue off and then walk outside and begin to declare his goodness. You say, this just sounds like a, a, just a, a bunch of sweeping under the carpet. No, we're talking about a spiritual discipline that we have been given as a people of God that will cause us to overcome. Because we were never intended to be held back by our circumstances. Think about this equation. Our Father loves us so much, he said this, look, I love you, I'm gonna put favor on you. And when difficulty comes, I'm gonna teach you how to handle it. So everything you do, it's a win. See, a right posture in the face of trouble prepares me for my future.
This is why it's been so important in this season. We're in a situation that none of us asked for. None of us had control over. It wasn't the result. Nobody brought COVID into Fort Collins because of their sin. Nobody brought at-home work conditions. But you see, this season of difficulty is testing us. It's revealing what's in us. And if you're like me and you've wrestled with, man, my attitude's been rough in this, the right answer is, hey, Lord, thank you for showing me that. What do you want me to do? But see, it's more than just COVID. That's a big overarching idea. Sometimes, how many are married in this room? How many recognize that there are days you wake up and there's trouble and you didn't cause it? And you see, the way we handle that should be to declare the goodness of God. I'm talking about our everyday response pattern to everything that comes in front of us. It should be to say this. There's a lot of stuff going on in here, but what's coming out of here is going to be praise, and that's it. I'm going to control the mouth gate. This is what James sets the table for. Because he's going to work through this book. He's going to deal with the mouth gate. He's going to deal with the way our attitudes and our heart are revealed by our language. Let's stand. How many like James before we started? What a day just to be in the house of the Lord. Join me in this journey. Begin to read the book of James systematically, just inviting the Holy Spirit to teach us. Next Sunday is the 5th of July. And we're going to take that Sunday off from being live and just do online gathering only for the holiday weekend. And then we'll be back together on Wednesday. So Wednesday night here, we're, some of you didn't know this, so I want to make sure I, I make a really clear announcement. 6.30 on Wednesday nights, we are gathering to worship, and we're gathering to study the scriptures, we're gathering to pray. So if Wednesday night works better for you during the week, come on a Wednesday night. We're trying to find pockets to accommodate the fact that we have to gather so far from each other. Sunday morning, we'll be back here at 9 o'clock. And then if this keeps happening, we're probably going to have to open another one. And we'll just do it some more. Pray with me. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for the scriptures and their ability to lead us and guide us and teach us. Lord, this, this phrase, when difficulty comes, count it all joy. Lord, we, we have to be honest and, and say right now before you, that's hard. It's not our native tendency. So Holy Spirit, will you teach us how to do that? Will you laugh with us this week when we screw it up? Will you just whisper to us, hey, 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 that's not your declaration. We give you permission to remind us at every micro moment. Teach us what it looks like to be a people that know how to declare your goodness all the time. Because we would say to you, as we sang earlier, your goodness is constantly running after us. You are a good father. You are faithful to us. You are tender to us. And so we ask you to teach us what it looks like to reflect that correctly. We bless you, give you all the glory and all the honor. And all God's people said, amen. Okay.